Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Drink it in, man. Oh, Darius, how big are you, young man? How big are you? Drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? We are back. Guess who's on the other end of the line, everybody? Grifka. Grifka, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing okay. Doing okay. About what? Uh, three weeks out from the real deal. So, uh, getting started. Oh, I think it's less than. I think it's like two and a half and less. Yeah. I mean, it is uh, coming before you know it. Yeah. Pretty excited. Well, I'm glad you're excited about that because we have some things to talk about today that aren't so exciting. And that will be, uh, we're going to recap that game we saw last week in the preseason. But before we get to that, I just want to do, again, kind of hit some of our news and notes here. So a couple days ago, uh, good old Corny Wash, this uh, defensive end, defensive tackle, Cornelius Washington, that we spent some pretty good dough on not even a year or so ago, got the boot. So any thoughts on that, Griff Curve? They've been shaking it up. Bobby Quinn's been busy. We've added a few players, players here or there. Any uh, thoughts and takes on any of that kind of stuff? It's one of those things I guess I wasn't really surprised when it went down. I mean, I was reading a lot of things, even before training camp started, they were talking about guys who could possibly either be cut or traded, you know, before the season started. And Cornelius Washington always came up. The biggest thing was, does he fit the defensive scheme? And it, I, I just – I wasn't for sure. I always thought, like, well, I always thought the guy was a pretty decent defensive end. He could, you know, get after the quarterback. He could be one of those guys on, you know, those certain long plays, like when a lot of teams are starting to switch to that defensive front of, like, you know, four defensive ends for their quickness to get to the quarterback. He could dump down inside and play down there. Um, but obviously uh, Matt Pat and, like, the rest of the team, you know, or the rest of the uh, upper management thought he just wasn't going to fit the scheme. I mean, one of the headlines I read is like what he, the Lions saved like $2.7 million or something like that with, with cutting him or releasing him. And, and people are like, oh, they're a bunch of cheapskates. It's just like, I mean, I'm sure they tried to, I'm sure like they put some feelers out there seeing if anybody wanted him other than, you know, just to like release a guy. But uh, I guess I wasn't all that surprised. But one of those things, I mean, I, like I said, I thought he was a decent defensive end and could get after the quarterback. And, you know, we can talk about it, you know, when we talk about the game. I mean, it just seems like that pass rush isn't that strong, and they could have used them. But, I don't know, maybe maybe they're just holding back and they have some other aces up their sleeve, you know, to get to their quarterback. But, I mean, I, was, I wasn't really surprised. I was more like, you know, okay, that's one less guy who's going to have to get to the quarterback and maybe they have something else in mind. Yeah, man, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, I was going to bring up the biggest thing. We did our whole series on dollars and cents where we kind of broke down the contracts and whatnot. And, I remember when they gave Corny Wash his deal, I was kind of like, really, that for that guy? But I remember talking to the Big Hughes and telling him, like, you know, hey, I started reading up on this guy, and he's got kind of like this crazy athleticism, real kind of a big build, you know, that bigger bigger type defensive line player that we were going for at the time. And uh, I thought he had some upside, but this guy just never made plays, never seemed to fit in. And, like, 
what'd you say? I think it was like the two point, uh, I got it pulled up right here. 2.62 mil in cap savings. Like to me with the, with a little bit extra too, that we've been holding in the piggy bank there, like that could come in handy depending on who gets cut here at the end of, uh, at the end of camp or after this third game, you know, you see a lot of cuts that are sometimes surprising. So, um, I think, you know, they might be able to use that well, or, or they finally just decided, Hey man, this guy both doesn't fit in and he's not a hard enough worker and he doesn't make plays. So, so get him out of here. So not, not too much more to say on that, but, um, Grifka right here, I just kind of pulled it up. Like I said, there've been some transactions, so I'll just go through them in order. They signed Marcus Cromartie cornerback. They signed, uh, they got rid of McClure who was a safety. They cut Corny Wash defensive end and he was a defensive tackle. And they signed Dexter McDougal, who's a cornerback, and waived um, Davis, another backup, backup, backup safety. And they signed Sterling Moore, cornerback. So I know, like, for all those people who are listening, a lot of those names don't mean much. They probably don't even mean much to me or you. But to me, the, the topic I want to bring up with that is I did hear some more rumblings, at, at least I want to say Moore and – I believe McDougal, it was either McDougal or Cromartie, one of the two had some Patriots ties, you know, again, or had played in this type of scheme. So we know how that goes. But the big question I want to ask is, so Davis, no, wait, Moore, McDougal, and uh, Cromartie are all either cornerbacks or safeties. Like, to me, don't we've already talked about that's like our highest position like of quality and depth like it's always so weird to me how they kind of construct an NFL roster that Bob Quinn if he's going to add people would cut a defensive lineman where we have nobody and would go add cornerbacks and safeties who we seem to have plenty of I don't get it except for special special teams like you said I mean I'm there was a couple of guys that had the Patriots ties and and uh like we had talked about earlier with T's table, or maybe they're just not happy with his progression. They need something more of a uh, established veteran to go back there in the defensive backfield. And same, like you said, I, like you said, one of those guys, I can't remember which one's the safety, but uh, either they're just not happy with, they're not happy with, uh, or they're going to let uh, Tracy Walker, you know, like wade into the shallow end of the pool a little, a little more than just throwing him in the deep end. And um, they're looking, you know, for a little something. Maybe they're just not happy with uh, the way, you know, the running backs are just blowing by Tavon Wilson and Glover Quinn. I mean, I don't know. but See, but I don't see any of these guys, like, making any kind of dent like that. I don't understand, like, why are we not, like, getting rid of Corny Wash and going out and getting, like, a more impactful player or replacing him with a better guy on the D-line? Like, I know there's not studs out there, but if you don't think, Washington's any good then go replace him with another body there rather than just a a camp body slash always a good special teams gunner like I'm sick of that you know it's kind of like I don't know I don't get it but like say we don't have to spend a bunch of time on it but none of those guys to me that we picked up you know other than I think I've heard of like Sterling Moore and like say he if he has some Patriots ties another cornerback can never kill you but I don't see any of these guys like pushing T's down the T's down the depth chart or, um, you know, making this team. So yeah, again, just, just roster moves for roster moves. But, yeah. It's I one mean, of those things. If, if it's one of those things. If any of those guys are touching the field, you know, as a starter, our defensive backfield's really, really hurting. 
Yeah, right here I'm looking at it. McDougal, the cornerback, is the only one that has some terms. One year, 700K, which, I mean, again, that's not even like the, the 500 or less that we were talking about before. So maybe they they do need an extra corner, and they're trying to figure that out between these two or three guys. But yeah. I don't know. Like you say, Bobby Quinn working the roster. But uh, other than that, I mean, they're just kind of working their way through camp and, and whatnot. I, I want to tell a quick story. So we went down um, – with a buddy of mine he's actually uh he's my stepsister's uh husband and they live in london england so he's come here the last couple years and i always take him to like the lions games or we go down and uh you know kind of show him even took his daughter to a game last year she loved going down there it was super fun so this year like couldn't make it to the game but i was like hey maybe we could go down to practice or whatever so we go down and uh, we go to that open practice with the Giants right before the preseason game. And uh, I had heard like it was going to be a walkthrough. And like as we got in the car to head down there, you know, the weather was terrible. It was like looking like it was going to pour, which it did. And I'm like, man, this is a long drive, a long time for, uh, you know, what I knew was going to kind of be a lackluster practice. Krivka, this was the worst I mean, the most meaningless practice of NFL football I've ever seen, especially with another team in there. They were, they literally, we got there and the weather had cleared up at that point. They ran maybe like two, some, they ran some special team sessions at like half speed. Then they ran like offense for each team at maybe a quarter speed for, I didn't even know. It seemed like 10 minutes. And all of a sudden they like huddled up in the middle. I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do now. Over practice over it was like it was like the most ridiculous thing but the best part was uh since they didn't do anything and because uh you know there wasn't many people there like every big name player came over and hung out so i said what up to jd our middle linebacker defensive captain got his autograph was hanging out with my boy gq glover quinn uh you know jamie who's uh like i said my stepsister's husband he got a whole bunch of pictures with a bunch of players and i was yakking at uh, Miles Killebrew telling him he had like cut all his hair off. I'm like, man, they move you to linebacker. They just cut your hair or what? They got you all trimmed up so you can come off the edge. And he was like, man, we got a scout. We got a scout out there. You know, we got to watch out for you. And I was like, oh yeah, man, I'm all over your uh, scouting report. So we, uh, we had a bunch of fun down there as far as like after practice, but I got to tell you, I've never seen anything so terrible as far as a, uh, I mean, if that's NFL walkthroughs, what a waste. It just seemed like – I don't know what the coaches – again, I'm not an NFL coach. I'm sure they're getting looks. They're kind of working their way through things. But it was completely meaningless from what I could see. Yeah, but did they have donuts? I guess that's all that matters. Did they have donuts for you? <laughs> there, there was no donuts, which, like, I was real bummed about. But, like, considering it almost put us both on the floor when we went there the first game, it was probably a good thing. But had they had a – had they had a couple with the uh, Honolulu boob frosting, I know I would have slammed a couple, no doubt. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had a good time and actually got some autographs on your leather and white football there, you know, to go with uh, your autograph football that has everybody's name on from, you know, Glover Quinn to, you know, I don't know, Joey Harrington to <laughs> Kevin Smith. And, you know, Griffith, I, I always tell you, don't, don't, don't lie to the people, man. You know I come with the gear and then – yeah, you weren't there, and I had to write you and say, hey, Grifka, it's like Bizarro Land. Every time we go, when it's season ticket holders only, they send over the backup special teams gunner to sign a few autographs and no one else. Here, all the all the top guys, even Stafford was like a, on the other side of the field signing autographs. And But 
you would be proud. I'll have to show it to you. I had the Detroit Kool-Aid banner out for the first time ever that will be at the tailgate and got that inked up. So anybody oh, really? that comes, comes and sees us at the tailgate, Jared Davis right on the banner along with Glover Quinn. I showed it to Glover Quinn and I tried to get him to sign above his picture that I put on there. Yeah. I said, man, I mean, who's this guy right here? He goes, you know who that is. And he, he signed it. <laughs> he signed it right on his actual self. Like he made sure he, he totally autographs himself from head to toe. So that's on there. Nice Sharpie too so yeah i tried to get the two studs uh two of our defensive uh stalwarts on there but uh, yeah the kool-aid banner was out and shining and got some glove i even when uh jerry davis was signing it i go i go uh jd man like keep up the great word we love having you in the middle of our defense and he was signing i go hey man we got a lions podcast detroit kool-aid we always talk you up and he was like, oh, that's cool, man. That's re- that's real good. Keep it up. We appreciate you. And I and I left, and then I go, oh, I hope he doesn't listen to at- last episode where we kind of ragged on him. <laughs> <laughs> he might Screw come at guys, me next time. Get these guys. <laughs> yeah, that Detroit Kool-Aid, unsubscribe. <laughs> but, uh, no. That's awesome. No, he, he couldn't have been better, man. It was really fun. And, like, uh, even got by, like, the – the giant buses and Saquon Odell were kind of over there loading up. So got some good access, which was cool, but yeah, the practice was absolute waste. So that's cool. anyway, Grifka, we've probably talked too much here in the beginning. The people want to know what the heck did you think about that game at, at Ford field, the home opener uh, against the giants. And let me put the caveat out there, which everybody does. It was preseason. What the heck did you think of that game? Well, I have a question for you first Eric I oh, was good. wondering did uh did Odell Beckham get, get did he give you a rose I'm just wondering did he give you a rose did he choose you yeah, were you one of <laughs> because your man love for him last episode was so scary I mean I swore it was like an episode of the bachelor you were all like oh if Odell picks me I'm gonna be his biggest fan I think he's awesome I'm really gonna become a Giants fan because Odell Beckham he's the greatest but he didn't play so I thought maybe you guys were out on a date or something that's all I was wondering if he maybe took you like Bruce Chris or something like that and you guys got some steak and shared some sweet potatoes I, I don't know but um your your man love for Odell Beckham last episode was just scary so yeah hey uh no uh no roses were given but uh had i had one i mean this as uh, i i said it in the predictions uh this is my guy i have him in almost every fantasy league he's the most electric player in football that i've seen in the past decade plus uh all he does is make plays that you're over here acting like he's made one catch he's broken every record and i think he has every record uh for a third fourth year guy in the nfl so why would i not like this guy he's a dynamic talent at a at a high end position makes plays yeah, and okay, he's got okay, crazy enough. I'm, he's, I'm gonna, he's got crazy i'm going to cut you off here you love i'm going to cut you off here before we start from honolulu blue kool-aid to like the Big Blue Kool-Aid, whatever the heck it's called. You go, you start hey, a giant podcast or you, something you, like that. So you brought it up, man. I'm just telling games. you, he's incredible. So yeah, go to it. You uh, like I said, lucky, lucky yeah, uh, thirteen. Go, go light a go go light a vote him for for him in the corner of your room around the velvet ropes and the big picture of him with his dyed blonde hair. But hey, anyways, um, talk. About tell me, the game. tell me um, when you tell me when you can evaluate talent, Grifka, and then tell me about some good players, and I'll I'll let you know because uh, Odell's top of the. Top, I, I wish he was on the Lions. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, um, back back to the game. Uh, for as good as the, for as bad as the run defense looked, the first week, it looked that much better in the second week. But the pass defense was just terrible. They made, I mean, they made what what was that guy's name? Like Davis Webb. 
I mean, they made that guy look like Tom Brady. I mean, that guy was dropping dimes on everybody in spots. I mean, there was plays that was like, you know, third and 18, and they're, they're, he's completing a 22-yard pass over Nevin Lawson or whatever. It's just like I, the, the defense just could not get off the field. I mean, there was zero pass rush. Um, I mean, yeah, there was a couple of good run play defense stops, you know, early on. But, I mean, they were just picking this team apart defensively with the pass. I mean, they made – those quarterbacks on the Giants just like like all pro, and that that really worried me. And then uh, the offensive line once again. I mean, I realized Joe Dahl did not start this week, and uh, I know he's your boy and all, but uh, was it Kenny Wiggins started, and uh, he he spent more time in the backfield than uh, than a running back did. I mean, that guy got pushed around a lot. And then uh, Joe Dahl came in, and he looked just as good as he did the first week. He got pushed around a lot, and. Uh, you know, Ricky Wagner, you know, he, he played his uh his his turn style. You know, they were out at right tackle a couple times and even Taylor Decker, you know, got beat on a few on a few plays. I know a couple times um you know, that was reading stuff that maybe he thought he was gonna get maybe a little uh, a chip from, you know, from um Frank Ragnow and maybe it's just a miscommunication, but that offensive line as a whole just did not look good. And I just keep reading up that, you know, TJ Lang's, you know, taking it, you know, day by day. But it's just like this guy's not getting any snaps with the rest of the team in, in game action. So I don't know how they're going to look. You know, Stafford was on the ground a bunch. I mean, the the, the, the Giants defense was in the was in the Lions backfield, you know, all game. And I know, uh, you know, was it the second running play of the game? Amir Abdullah, like, you know, went to take the handoff and realized there was, there was like two guys, two giant defenders in front of him. So he decided not to take the handoff and just threw the ball on the ground. But uh, that that was a pretty unimpressive game for being preseason. And I'm kind of glad, I, you know, Ricky Jean, Jean Francois, like, kind of got, you know, got on the team afterwards, you know, saying, you know, they can't have that. They got to improve. I'm glad somebody, you know, even though he's new, you know, took the leadership role and said they have to improve, you know, big time, you know, if they're going to compete with anybody else in that NFC North. But like you, like you said, you gave the caveat. It was only it was only preseason, so we shouldn't be going, you know, looking to jump off a bridge or anything, or looking to fire Matt Patricia. But this team, you know, the offense did not look good, and it was the same offensive coordinators last year, and that uh, that defense still looks like it needs an awful lot of work. Grifka, 91, 1,312, 96, 1,450, and 13, and 101, 13, 67, and 10. You know what those numbers are? I have an idea, but go ahead and tell me. Yeah. Yeah, that's Odell's first three years in the league. God, you need to get off that and talk about the game. It's enough Grifka, Odell talk. Grifka, we're going to talk about the game, but I want to take us back for a second. In the, let's go back in the, uh, in the travel machine to that draft. And uh, I did not want Odell Beckham in that draft. Tell, tell the people what you said uh, before the pick was turned in there for the Lions. Or what you, what you emailed me days before. I don't want that North. I don't want that tight end from North Carolina. Right, and then I think we were having you turn in your picks that year. So, so you would have taken Darquez Denard that year. Uh, I think I still have it right here in front of me. And I wanted Aaron Donald badly, but I knew they wouldn't play him at defensive end. And I guess Mayhew wanted Odell, and we take Eric Ebron. So anyway, enough of that. But. Uh, I think you would take those stats I just read off versus your boy Eric Ebron. Anyway, uh, moving well, on to I would take 
I would take a loaf of bread over Eric Ebron. Okay, so yeah. but, I mean exactly. that's not hard to say. Exactly, but don't don't hate on these top players when look at what we got instead. Any so in my review of this Giants football game. I have in big capital letters here, basically the only note I wrote about the game was a quote by a famous wise man. You want to hear it, Grifka? Yeah, I'm interested in famous wise men. The famous wise man this quote comes from is still with us, Grifka. He's a prominent figure today. And his name is Sir Charles Barkley. And the quote is, terrible, absolutely terrible. Terrible is what I thought the Lions looked like in this preseason game. They were so garbage from top to bottom. I have also written down here, Stafford hit way too much. Like, this guy was only in for probably, what do he have, like five dropbacks, was hit four times. He had maybe two completions, the only ball. I mean, the ball to Theo was electric. It almost got me off my chair where I was like, oh, man, look at Stafford's in there. He caught uh, Theo on an option route. Here we go. And then all I remember after that is one out route to Marvin for about eight yards and then a bunch of garbage in between. Getting our quarterback hit, almost got his shoulder ripped off. Defense was terrible. We're getting eaten up by Wayne Gallman, your boy, and a whole bunch of other people just all over the field, like, making these little ridiculous plays. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, I I took nothing good away from it. Jared Davis in coverage to me, again, was, like, another – you know, it keeps coming up. Like I keep saying, Oh, he'll get it. He's it's going to be okay. And I, I see him getting eat up by these running backs. Like, like Spielman told him, you got to give him a one way go, but he always just gets flat footed and they just torch him in the middle there. I don't know what's going on, but we got to get that fixed. It's almost like Davis almost like over pursues the pass route. He's almost expecting it to be like, it's just like, okay, I'm going to follow this guy. And he's not expecting a cutback or a, or a move inside or a move outside. He's just like, the guy's here, and he's just running right at him. And then the guy makes and the, moves, and the guy's wide open. And Jared Davis has the speed. Jared Davis, if you're listening, by the way, you've got the speed to be able to, like, cover sideline to sideline. You, you're, you know, a ferocious tackler. We saw that in the first couple plays of the game when you got in the backfield. But, yeah, like you said, kind of let these routes come to you or just rely on your speed and be able to stay with these guys. Uh, other than that, I mean, just no pressure from the D-line. I mean, I don't feel like we've had a – I can't remember the last – sack or explosive play we've had from a D lineman strap strip sack fumble something I mean it's just crazy so I took like nothing away from this game other than I sure hope they didn't do any game plan they just rolled out of bed and said let's just get through this game I didn't notice any yeah there's big, big time major injuries but to me it was just like I don't know what you even take away from this performance yeah, from top the- to bottom yeah, they're still having trouble setting that edge, too. I mean, either it's going to be the defensive end or the outside linebacker. You know, you need to force those guys, you know, back inside. But they just seem to be crashing down so hard on, like, every fake. You know, it's just – and just leaving the outside wide open. That happened, you know, probably three, four times that game. And I know Chris Spielman, you know, he mentioned it during the broadcast that, you know, you can't have that. You know, it's just – you know, that – he's. Uh, I remember it said, he goes, that should happen to you maybe three, four times. And, you know, was it, um, you know, Shepard's like, what, are you talking in a game? And Chris Spielman goes, no, a year. That should happen to you three, four times a year. And it's happened to the Lions last two games, like three, four times a game. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that was just, that's one of those things like, it's either scheme or the guys just aren't getting it or like they definitely need to work on that. Yeah, they, uh, Spielman had a lot of great, 
takes and like, you know, there was a few players he, you know, was doing, he's kind of giving them some good feedback, but I don't know. I just, I'm kind of just, you know, how all NFL fans, like I was thinking about this today abolish this preseason or like redo it because I've never seen a sport where people care less about over a month of sporting events than the NFL preseason. Like it, it's so worthless. It's like nobody tries, nobody uh, wants to get injured, but to me, it's the same game that you're going to play in a few weeks. You just, I don't know. I just, it just seems like why even go through these motions, you know, the, if you're not going to, you know, to me, a game and practice is to like get your team ready for the real games. And if these first two games are any, you know, example of what we're going to see, like it's not going to be pretty. So I know the Lions have won four preseason games and then went 0-16. But I feel like even in those years, we saw good and bad. You know, we saw a few more uh, touchdowns throughout the game, like, there hasn't been much offense and there sure as heck hasn't been much defense. So I hate to overreact, but again, just terrible is on my sheet. And that's really all I can say. And like, I'll be curious to see, we'll talk about it as we move forward or in our next podcast, but we're going to kind of preview up this Tampa Bay game later. And to me, I mean, I'm curious if they can make a big jump, like if they're going to come out and look like 180 degrees different against Tampa Bay, or if we're going to be walking out of Tampa Bay going, nope, this is the same team again for three weeks in a row because this is not the team I expected right now. Yeah, I just don't know if if Matt Patricia is just playing stuff really close to the vest right now, you know, being, you know, under, uh, you know, being that uh, Bill Belichick was his mentor. And then everybody knows that's what Bill Belichick does. And he always seems like during, at some point, you know, every game will have like, you know, all these little surprises and they're, they're always different, you know, from game to game. So I don't know if, if Matt Patricia's trying that same thing. Like he's just running a lot of vanilla stuff right now. Like you said, even on defense, I mean, any blitz is like, you don't even see like really any zone blitzes. I don't even know if the defense will run that, but the blitzes are like, you know, if, when they do it, it's not very often. It's pretty vanilla. It's just like the straight, okay, we're going to send a linebacker. You know, we're, you know, we might, you know, bring up a safety and run them. I haven't, I haven't seen any cornerback blitzes or anything like that or any zone blitzes with guys dropping. Like I said, I don't know. I don't know if they're just not putting it on tape and they're, they're working on it. We're just not seeing it. And like I said, he's just playing his cards close to the vest. But, you know, that's even with the defense. I mean, like I said, the offense, though, I mean, they kept Jim Bob Cooter because Matt Stafford was, you know, supposed to be comfortable with him, was the offense. I mean, they haven't really – there was nobody really new except what the tight ends. Everybody else is, you know, pretty much the same that in those spots except for, you know, with Garrett Blunt and um, Kerryon Johnson. But once again, you know, we all, we all know, especially for rookie, rookie running back, it's like one of the easier spots to make the transition from college to the pros. And like Garrett Blunt's been around the uh, NFL, you know, long enough for him. He should be able to pick up, a, you know, the offense relatively quickly. But you're right, like there's like – it seems like the offense is just very, very pedestrian out there. I mean, there's like, there's nothing, you know, it doesn't seem like any, you know, great matchups. And like you said, I know the main guys like Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, they're not looking to get hurt. I remember the first game against Oakland, Golden Tate took that shot to the leg and he instantaneously came out and didn't play the rest of the game. And maybe that's all it is, but that offense is just looking, you know, very, very, you know, it's just not looking good. But like I said, I just don't know if they're just playing stuff close to the vest and just running a bunch of vanilla stuff out there, not to get anything new on tape. Yeah, man, uh, this is the Kool Aid Cast Griffka, so I, I can, 
just feel how disgusted I am with these first couple weeks of preseason. Like I can't imagine when we have a heartbreaking loss season, what I'm going to do on this podcast or how I'm going to react. But um, to me, it's just, they got to look better. They should look sharper. Like the thing I liked the most during the game was when I interviewed Matt Pat and he was just like, nothing like they asked him what what positive could you take out of the game uh well you know not nothing really right now and then after the game uh what kind of uh do you see any good things from your defense your d-line in it um nothing i can really pinpoint but uh, i'll have to watch the tape you know i was like good this coach isn't gonna give us some flowery you know joke of a response he he wasn't happy with anything and he shouldn't be and it is on him even though it's only preseason game two so I, I want to spin it forward and be positive because I still think this team has a lot of playmakers. To me, that's why the NFL is so stupid because you get all these overreactions and you start thinking about your team and then you're like, our quarterback played one or two series. Like, our skill players played less than that, some of them. Like, you know, come Monday Night Football, they're going to be out there for four quarters, probably get ten drives plus, you know. They're going to put up points. They're going to make plays. I mean, it's just like – you know how in, in college, like, you don't hear or see anything from Michigan football, and then all of a sudden, bam, there's a real game on September 1st? That, yeah. That's what the NFL is like to me now. Even though they have preseason and these open practices, like, you have no idea what kind of team you have until they kick it off that first week of September in the NFL, and then by week four or so, you have a better feel of what the heck your team really is. But nobody really knows right now. Yeah, so – like I said, I, I'm not trying to overreact. I'm just, but there's things just like, there's just even little things they just need to do better. The pass protection, the opening, the holes on the run. Like I said on defense, setting the edge, getting to the quarterback. I mean, like I said, the run defense was better, and we, you know, when they played the Giants, but the pass defense, you know, it seemed like it took a st- step back. So, like I said, I just, I just don't know if they're just doing a bunch of vanilla stuff, so nothing's on tape for teams and. And, you know, they're just trying to make sure they got all the basics down before they try to incorporate all like this new stuff. So I, I don't know. But but here's the thing. I got two things I want to hit on real quick. One is like you said vanilla like a million times. And that's all I hear in the media is vanilla this vanilla that. But it's like I don't get it. Like these NFL coaches, all they do is draw up. They got these thick playbooks. Like, are you telling me that if you show a corner blitz in the preseason – like, that's the only blitz you have all year that you can't, like, you know, tweak it, do it a little differently in the in the regular season. Like, I don't get it, what we're, what we're doing or, like, what – why everyone has to be so vanilla or so, like, oh, we don't want to show anything in the preseason. Like, every week is, is different, as Jim Caldwell would tell you a million times every press conference. Like, I'm pretty sure these guys can draw up new blitzes, new plays to get them through a 16-game schedule. It's not like they're playing 162 games or, you know, 80 games. It's 16 weeks. I mean, get a little more creative. And to me, in the preseason is where you try out some things to see if they are going to sort of work. And then you just amp them up in the real season. You don't just not do any of them and then hope they'll work week one when you really need them. So, you know, reply to that. But I want to hit you with one other thing first. Uh, You brought up Ricky Jean. So I got got one positive with him and one beef. I'll start with the beef. Ricky Jean Francois is a heck of a great name. What is up with all these people like saying, I guess now he told somebody it's Ricky John. I mean, I mean, Tyrod Taylor, Turrod, like 
I don't get why these people are, are nitpicking their own names. Like, it's just ridiculous to me. But Ricky Jean, as I'm going to call him, is now one of my favorite Lions after an interview today because this guy, like, blew up the team after this preseason game, just called everybody out saying, like, it's not good enough. We ain't going to win many games when we play like this. you got to stay in your playbook. you got to be at the facility. And then today I saw another interview with him, and he's just, like, the most down-to-earth great leader I don't even care what he does on the field. Like, to me, this is a guy that I hope is a coach someday or, like, has the best attitude I've heard in a long time. So, Ricky Jean Grifka is one of my guys now. I don't even care if he's racking up sacks or whatever. He's a heck of a leader for this team. I'm glad we have him. But talk to me a little bit about why we can't do anything in the preseason because we'll just give away our whole secret. And what do you, what do you think about Ricky Jean? Um, like you said, it seems like a lot of teams do that. But uh, Why? Yeah. We don't. We don't care what they do. We want to know why. Because it's preseason. It's a. It's a meaningless game. I mean, that's. So that's so if exactly I run a reverse, why. if I run a double reverse in preseason, I've lost it for the rest of the year. It can never be run again because someone's seen it now once. Makes no, no sense I, to me. There's like hey, sixty I, plays a game. Sixteen. Hey, weeks. I understand what you're saying, and actually, you know, there's that mindset that it does put it on tape, where teams now have to look for it. They kind of have to at least spend a little practice time on it, but. Then it goes to the mindset. Like if they've never seen it, then you bring it out. It should work. But uh, when's the last time you, you show trick, it? When's the last time you saw a trick play like really work where it's just like double reverse pitch back to the quarterback and like the wide receivers like standing just wide open in the in the end zone just you know waiting for the ball. I mean it just doesn't seem to work that way. But it but seems my like point it, is like I just threw out the reverse. But like let's say on defense. You're going you're gonna to run like a, a stunt on the inside with your two defensive tackles and you have a, a corner screaming off the edge trying to bring a blitz, right? You're telling me you can't show that look in the preseason. Everyone, oh, we got that on tape now. Let's be weary of that. And then week four, you, you fake the double stunt and you, instead of bringing your corner, you got Tavon Wilson screaming up from his uh, strong safety spot right up the, the double A gap. So it's like it's a similar concept, but it's just different. Like you can, I love those coaches that almost show you things as bait and then they, they fake show it to you in the regular season, but it is really a whole different play. Like to me, that's, that's out scheming people. That's, that's coaching. It's not like, you know, Oh, we put it on tape. Why would you run it exactly the same again? I don't understand. Like the only plays you should run repeatedly are those like the power old run and some of these basic concepts. You don't run, stuff like the exact same probably ever you run it once and then you change it up i i understand what you're saying but i just like i said it's again just, i'm getting hot right it's now. like i said it's just the school of thought i mean some of it is you play close to the vest you don't do anything like that and i know jeff fisher when he was a coach he would always do that he would just he would always do all this kooky stuff you know and in the uh, in the preseason like you said so other teams have to like waste time and practice on it they might do it so we have to spend you know actually game plan for it they might run this split they might run this fake reverse they might they might do all that stuff i mean i guess it just depends on what the coach thinks i mean at this point like i said it's a it's a meaningless game and it almost kind of gets like tedious to watch after a while when the team's out there in the third quarter and the fourth quarter and the offense just looks horrible and the defense isn't stopping anybody and you're just like how come they don't try this as the coach is like, we're not looking into that right now. We're just, you know, looking to see who the best guys are to get on the roster. I mean, it's just it's stuff like that. So don't get me wrong; it makes the team look bad. Now, if they look terrible, you know, you know, next week against you know Tampa Bay and the same thing, and Tampa Bay goes up there and their crap offense runs up against them and 
the defense can't stop them and they can't throw any points up against that defense, then then I might start to worry some more. But at this point, I, I guess I'm, I'm I'm not overly concerned with it. Yeah, talk uh, talk for a couple of minutes about. Do you see any of these interviews with Ricky Jean and like you read up on him or heard anything from him, or you just still like like him because we he kind of knows the scheme or whatever? Because this guy, if you haven't heard an interview, Grifka, you got to go pull one. Yeah, up I mean, I, I like the one the stuff he was saying was tremendous. Well, I didn't see the one <clears throat> that you speak of re- recently, the one down to earth, but I did see the one after the game, and I really liked how he did that. I mean, that's a guy who's been on winning teams. He knows he's been in winning organizations. He knows what it takes to win. And, you know, you always, you've always heard that from other, was it like other people like, you know, Detroit, this is a place where, you know, guys, you know, careers just come to end, you know, where they're just trying to get the last few plays and, you know, Ricky Jean comes here and that's not what he's looking for. He's looking to make sure this team's a winner. It does something. And it's nice that, you know, he calls out guys and just like, you need to do this and this, you know, we need to do this better. We need to do this better. And, you know, we're not going to win many games. I mean, maybe it will light a fighter under some of those guys like, you know, Ashawn, you know, who thinks that, you know, it's my third year. I've been, you know, I've been a starter the last couple of years. So it's one of those things where, yeah, maybe, maybe it will light a fighter under those guys you know, to, for them to do better. And yeah, I'm pretty happy about, pretty happy that he, that he, he did that. Cause you don't see a lot of guys do that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers did it to his wide receivers. And all I heard was like, you know, all these people complaining, should he be doing that to his wide receivers? Well, yeah, it's Aaron Rodgers. He can do what the hell like he wants, man. If he wants to call out his wide receivers for running bad routes and dropping easy passes, but you know, you know, Ricky Jean doesn't, everybody's like, Oh, great. Excellent. Excellent. It's just like, what's the difference? I mean, what's the difference? It's two guys that know how to win, and they're just, you know, they're not happy with the performance that they're seeing out there. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with it at all. I, I kind of wish guys would do it more, but it's always one of those things, oh, no, you handle everything internally. You don't do it through the media. Well, you know, sometimes you need to, like, kind of spout off to the media because it does light the fire, you know, of some of those guys who maybe are, you know, sloughing off or taking a little easier, thinking they have, you know, a starting spot or a spot on the roster in the bag. So, yeah, I'm glad he did it. Yeah, there were there were a couple things that jumped out to me. Uh, you know, I didn't really like write them down per se, but I just remember when he was talking today. I think it was today they did the interview, and he said, uh, you know, that when he came in the league, like certain veterans would take him under his wing, and he's like, sometimes they didn't even really say or tell me what to do; they just did it. And so I got to see, and they were like, "Hey, you got any examples?" And he was like, "Oh man, Randy Moss." And you're thinking, "Man, Randy Moss seems like a..." Um, you know, not that type of guy, even though like everyone said he had great study habits. He was like, he was always the first one in last one. We took care of his body, uh, always studying up plays, helping coaches. And he's like, but he didn't always like tell everybody about it. He just did it. And everybody followed. So I thought that was cool. And then they were talking to him and he was like, so I'm trying to be that for these guys. And he goes, he goes, I'm here. You know, if people need anything, I'm not trying to rush home. Like I'm here as long as I need to be to get it right. And I was like, that's a shot right at people that are probably rushing out of there as soon as they can after practice, not putting the extra work in. So I thought that was cool. And then what, I mean, just overall, the impression I got from him was that he talked up Matt Pat a ton. He said, this guy is a defensive genius. He said, it's crazy to see that this is his first year as a head coach and he's all over on the offensive side of the ball, talking to people about routes, talking to people about offensive concepts. Like he said to me, that just shows how brilliant he is. And and he's like, the coaches are doing their job. And then he said the most poignant point from his uh, interview was he said, we have to all do our jobs and we have to all work together as one and not do our own thing. 
and we'll get this right. But if we got people out there doing their own thing or not following the scheme or not using the proper techniques, and that's when we look like we looked the last couple of games. And I thought, like, you know, he's not calling out names, but he's saying that, hey, these coaches are coaching a new scheme and new techniques for a reason. You need to do them and then see the results, not just – decide what you want to do on a third and third and long because it's probably not going to end well. And I thought, you know, they got to follow this guy's lead. And even if he's not a big playmaker per se, I think that he's going to be a great leader, even if not sometimes spoken, I think hopefully he'll put all the work in and then everybody will just kind of follow as the season gets, gets longer. So Ricky Jean, I mean, we've said enough, but me and it sounds like Grifka, man, you're, we're a fan here on the Kool-Aid cast and we repping you, um, hopefully all year long and maybe longer if you're here with this team. So keep up the good work from a leadership perspective. Uh, that's what this team needs, no doubt about it. Grifka, you mentioned a couple things I want to tee you up here as we're kind of finishing out the recap of this game before we uh, close out the podcast. You talked about the offense looking terrible and the game getting boring late in the game. Talk to me about these quarterbacks. I think we hit on it a little bit before, but we've seen two games now from Matt Castle and Jake Rudock. Like, is this good enough as an NFL backup, or do we need to look out, look around the league and see if we can get an upgrade? Because, you know, I'm not too excited from what I'm, I've been seeing. I mean, to me, Jake Rudock getting some late stats and late touchdowns, but to me, I haven't really enjoyed what I've seen from him. A lot of dink and dunk and didn't seem like he could – make plays. And I think it's an important position to, to consider, you know, I mean, we want Stafford there all game and if he goes out, we're pretty much done, but I think there's sometimes you can go upgrade the quarterback position. If you want to get aggressive, talk to me about that. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, watching Matt Castle play, it's actually pretty painful to watch him. Every, you know, I mean, that guy's, he's been around for a while and I've never thought he was that good a quarterback, you know, yeah, he took over when in the Patriots when Tom Brady, you know, had his knee injury after, and he, you know, what they went. I, th- I think they still went eleven and five, but I think that was one of those fluky seasons where, you know, a lot of teams had good years and they went eleven to five and missed the playoffs. And then he got some big contract, you know, with a Kansas City or something like that. And I just like I never thought he was that great a quarterback. And then, so even now to watch him. It's just it's kind of painful to watch him, and for Jake Rudock, Jake Rudock just seems like a checkdown Charlie to me right now. It's just like, oh, okay, this guy's covered. He goes through his reads like so fast, and like you know, it's just you know, I understand him. Maybe he's got happy feet because he's watching Matt Stafford and Castle just get overrun. But uh, then uh, you know, so everything's like not there, not there, and he's like hitting the running back, you know, in the flat, or he's like just trying to get rid of the ball to like show that he can kind of like force it in force it in you know into a spot but you're right I mean is it one of those things though if like one of those guys you know we they do cut somebody come cut down day and the Lions go pick him up I mean how much time is he gonna have to like you know learn the playbook I mean it's like you said if anybody else is playing besides Stafford this team's in trouble but it's definitely a spot I think right now watching those two guys it yeah we could upgrade the backup position you know I'm not saying we need to go get Sean Hill or anything like that you know the greatest backup of all time but um But, uh, you know, it's something, a spot that could definitely be upgraded on the roster. So, real quick, again, uh, before we move on to this next topic, like, the fans out there, you know, again, we're a fan podcast. You just kind of hear what others are saying, what you're thinking, like, you know, the talk of the town as far as a backup QB that might be available. 
and is young and has some upsides, Teddy Bridgewater, would you give up anything for him? Would you consider bringing him here if he was available or no? Uh, I've never been a huge fan of Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, what, I mean, is he a guy that may be able to make some plays with his feet? You know, maybe like a poor man's Michael Vick or something like that? Yeah, possibly. Do I think he's better than the two guys that we have back there? Yeah. Um, do, will the Lions probably make a trade for him? No. But uh, is somebody, I think he's better, but I think there may be even people that are better than Teddy Bridgewater out there that may be, that may be uh, – around I think it's just Teddy Bridgewater gets a lot of a lot of hype because he had a decent season in Minnesota then he got hurt but obviously you know the quarterbacks in Minnesota it seems like you know there's a few quarterbacks that you know what Case Keenum you know he had a good year and that guy was a journeyman you know so it's just I I don't I wouldn't bring in Teddy Bridgewater but that's me I mean other people you know different strokes are different folks but I mean I just I think there, there could be better get better guys out there yeah. Yeah. My only thing with him is, you know, he's still pretty young and uh, he had some pretty high pedigree coming out in the draft and then slipped due to uh, size and athletic testing and whatnot. But I mean, when he has played, he's been pretty accurate. I think your your point is good about, uh, you know, the NFL is like one of those sports, you know, where it is hard to trade because if you don't come in the off season, it is hard to get into the scheme, get all your teammates, get up on the playbook and get acclimated unless you play, you know, running back or sometimes, you know, receiver, some of these positions where you should be able to just use your athleticism, dive in and at least make some plays. So quarterback's a little bit of a different bird there. Um, I'll just get your quick take on it. Grifka, he's been out of the league for a while now, but uh, Colin Kaepernick, any interest? None. Just, uh, on the field, off, or both? I think, to be honest, I mean, he's fine at what he did in San Francisco. I mean, I think, I mean, yeah, he led San Francisco to, you know, a Super Bowl. But I think the sideshow that it would – Just a just a Super Bowl. No well, big deal, right? We've never been there, but – Right, but I don't – I think the – I think the – I guess for lack of a better term, the, you know, all the media attention and everything like that, I don't think that would be good – for a first year coach right now. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any interest in him. I just don't think this team's in strong enough position to be able to have to, you know, start answering those questions. You know, he would have to go to a more, I think a more established team, you know, something like that. If you're bringing him in just to, you know, just for highlights, you know, to get more people to watch and stuff like that, that's, that's the wrong thing. But I mean, I, you know, what he stands for, what he does, I I don't, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about what what he brings, you know, all the, um, you know, all the the media. I don't. Th- it's yeah. it's not it's not. They're you. not talking about his playing ability. It's focusing on something else, which is not what this team needs right now. Yeah, I, I'm there with you. I guess. I mean, I, I think sometimes that gets blown out of proportion. You know, we don't want to deal with distractions. We don't want to answer questions. Like to me, if you take all that away. And you just say, like, is this guy more athletic and probably has a better skill set, even being kind of out of the game for a bit than who we have now? I'd say, yeah. I thought when he was, you know, had that crazy year in San Fran, like, this guy has the most crazy skill set. He's got a cannon for an arm. He can run like the wind. And, uh, you know, he had seemed to be picking up the quarterback position. So I kind of feel bad for him because I feel like he didn't go about it the right way. But 
you know, he was standing up for other issues than the, the flag per se, you know, it gets made about the flag. So I won't get on a big tangent about that, but I thought he was going more about what's happening in society and whatnot. And, uh, trying to take a stand for bigger issues. And like, he's just been ex- exiled by the league. And to me, the guy can still play football in the right situation. And I'm all about trying to better, you know, Matt Pat always says like, Hey, we're looking for players that can uh, better our positions or somebody's out there. that's better. We'll, we'll take a look at him. Like, you know, Colin Kaepernick, no matter what he's been doing, he's better, I think, right now than what we have. And like you say, I, the safer move would be to find one of these third string quarterbacks out there that gets cut. That's, tangibly better than what we have and bring them in and try to groom them type of thing. But something we got to think about a little bit. So anyway, like you say, just the reason we're talking about that is, you know, the quarterback position is the most important position in the NFL. And I'd love to just have a little bit better depth there if possible. But um, the last big topic I want to bring up Grifka is uh, team identity. I wrote that with a big question mark on my pad here before the podcast. And I thought like, after two games, after all this off season, after going in the dress rehearsal, you know, we're only two, two and a half weeks away from the season. Like sum up for me, Grifka's team identity for the 2018 Lions, as you see it, or as you hope it will be when they actually start playing real football. Well, I know this team, they're looking to be tougher, stronger. That's one of those things that, you know, Matt Patricia has been talking about. And, um, that's one of those things I keep seeing questions about. Are the Lions too tired? And that's why they look bad in games. And Patricia's just like, hey, we're football players. So I, I know he's trying to trying to get this team to be tougher. But it seems like if this offense looks the way it does and the defense looks the way it does, we're going to end up having to abandon that power running game. And, you know, it's going to be on Stafford's arm again. You know, so I would like to see this team a lot tougher and be able to grind out the clock when they have a lead. You know, and not have to have Stafford come back, you know, late in the fourth every game to come back and, you know, bring us a comeback. But uh, I'm hoping this team is definitely physically and mentally tougher and can, you know, ground ground and pound when they need to. And then, you know, just to, you know, flip it up and like just have, you know, you know, Matt Stafford air it out, you know. When when's needed, or even if the game plan, if the team's like, hey, this, if if the opposing team's thinking, you know, like, okay, this this team's really a power running game, let's really focus on that. And see, it was another thing the Patriots always did. They talk about it. it's just like, well, the lions, the lions, you know, you can run on them, you can run on them, and then, you know, I, I remember the game they played in New England a few years ago. Where it was just like, you know, you can run on them, you can run on them, and like, Tom Brady just comes out and just throws the ball all over the field on them. So it's just like. This is one of those things. I th- I'm I'm hoping that's what they're he's telling them that they they really become that really tough. You know, jam the ball down your throat, and then one game it's just like okay, we're really gonna you know we're gonna put an extra body in the box to stop the run, and Stafford comes out and just airs it out. You know, throws for like three fifty and three touchdowns, and you know because you know the other team's game plan was so out of whack. So I'm, I'm hoping it's one of those ground and pound games, but the coaches are wise enough to change when needed and do it on the fly as opposed to you know. You know, all of a sudden, late in the fourth quarter, we need to come back, and we're we're stuck doing that again. When I when I think of team identity, Grifka, to me, it's just like a couple short phrases. So the the ones that come to mind for me for this team is like run game, fundamentals, and, and just win. Like those are the three things I want. Like I want to I want to run the ball better, and I want to be a, a considered a, a middle to 
to hopefully, if not this year, by next year, be a an upper third running team in the NFL. I want to like let Patricia do what I know he can, which is like grill them on the fundamentals and the scheme so that we come into every week feeling like we got a chance to win this because we're fundamentally sound. We're going to be in our gaps. We're going to make tackles. We're going to not beat ourselves. And like you said, you know, hopefully get away from that, like wait till the fourth quarter, just hopefully be really like, you know, fundamentally sound over the next couple of years and learn how to win games from start to finish. And then my third one was just win. Like to me, Matt Patricia is a winner, man. All he's done the last five, 10 years is win football games. So like when, when they really kick it off in September, I just want to see him find ways to outthink, out coach, out scheme, motivate the players, whatever he has to do to score one more point than the other team to help them defend so they can make the other teams score one less point and win games. I don't care how it gets done, but I think he wants to do it with run game fundamentals. And at the end of the day, did we win the game? Did we not? And move on to the next week. So I think this team's identity is going to be in the trenches and on the fundamentals and everything else will come from that. So that's what I'm looking for. And I just haven't seen it yet, but I think over the next couple of years that hopefully will be the team's identity in my book. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. I mean, as long as they get the W on Sunday or Monday, whatever day, I mean, that's the biggest thing. So Grifka, before we shut it down, we did not this week, we did not, drop any audio clips on anybody, but we may in the future. We did not quiz you again on the Lions cheerleaders, which I hope that you've been studying. I'm sure you've been watching the videos. I mean, there's no doubt about that. We did oh, yeah, not definitely make time for that. Yeah, absolutely. That's your lunch break for sure. You did not. Uh, we did not spend an extra 10 minutes talking about uh, our middle school lunchroom foods, which I know was big with the people last week. And this time you got lucky because I didn't hit you with a crazy pop quiz or a random fire, which that will be coming again soon. So you got to be on your toes, but I think we hit on a lot of good things. Kind of got people up to speed on the news and notes reviewed this terrible game two of the preseason. And uh, what do you say? We just come back to the people here soon with the, previewing this game in Tampa to me it's a big game it's game three it's the dress rehearsal it's on prime time it's uh hopefully we'll get to see our starters quite a bit longer and and you said Tampa's terrible I think they have a lot of playmakers uh you know I know when you don't like I praise these other great NFL players Grifka but there are other good people out there other than the Lions so we'll we'll talk about them in the next episode but what do you say we shut it down and we'll come back and preview that game and uh and have some fun in our next episode Sounds good. Pack the bag, start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.